have been looking over your records at that fine university, and have been corresponding with your able professors. They tell me you are of an athletic bent, and that physical undertakings cause no hardship. So while I would agree that it is a daunting prospect for one so young, I have no doubt, from what I've heard, that you'll rise to the challenge magnificently." I dropped my eyes. Uh, If you uh, say so, my lord bishop, I just hoped he would not be disappointed. I myself was there just a short time ago, last summer, in fact, when I consecrated the tiny church in Mutton Bay, your future headquarters. I also selected a site for another church in Harrington Harbor. It was summer, he seemed to relax at the memory, and the weather was kind, the people most generous of spirit. He paused and then looked at me with an almost sorrowful gaze. But imagine those long winter nights of darkness, how that isolation must weigh upon their souls. It defies my imagination to know how any man cares for his family in such conditions where few venture and even fewer survive. Not a very encouraging send-off. But now, as Julius Caesar said, the die had been cast. Here I was on the schooner, La Canadienne, heading for my first assignment, letting the wind tear fitfully at my face and its gusts threaten my footing on the pitching deck. I even felt certain that now, in this next year, I would finally achieve that long-hidden yearning to meet, in some curious way, actually meet my Savior. Walking beside me, or face to face in a vision, who knew? But I had nurtured this secret longing within myself for as long as I could remember, developed, I suppose, from some forgotten children's tale. I had often dismissed it as a foolish dream, but still it had grown in those crevices at the back of my mind. Indeed, a wild dream, possibly to be fulfilled on these granite shores. How the past three years of university had flown! Coming home that first Christmas in 1893 after three months in university, arriving at Matapedia, I had been filled with foreboding. How would my family take my decision? Because I was the first from the coast to go to university, it had been silently presumed I'd become a doctor and return to the coast. We had left Montreal late in the afternoon, and my companion in the train carriage was still fast asleep. We had gossiped long into the night. Matapedia, next stop, five minutes. Matapedia was the junction point for all the Gaspy. There had been some talk of a railway branch line coming our way and beyond, as far as Gaspy Town, but so far, nothing. After all, it was only fifteen years ago that they had completed this line from Montreal to Halifax. The burly conductor stomped past, and my travelling companion awakened. With freckles and sandy hair, Frank was three or four years younger than me. He had accompanied his father to Montreal 
to check into some shipping affiliations and now is going back to Halifax to continue his studies for a second mate's ticket. In the spring, he planned to sign on to one of his father's schooners sailing from Nova Scotia. Not the life I would lead, I had told him. I wasn't at all keen on the bounding main, but what kind of life did I expect? Had my decision about the future been taken rather too hastily? Had I just been bamboozled by my companions, carried away by my youthful exuberance? Getting off here, John, are ya? Frank leaned close to the window and cupped his hand round his eyes to see out pretty heavy snowfall. I mumbled an affirmative to disguise my nervousness. If old Papa came with lively, our fine, but rather aged horse, how would we make it all the way home, a good hundred miles? Out the window, these big fluffy flakes seemed likely to continue all this day.